the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now it's time to think and discern. This is Bob Bernie Live. It is the four o'clock hour, Bob Bernie Live. Thank you, thank you for joining me. Well, the big talk, the big discussion is still the election. It's been almost a week, and uh, we still don't know many of the. Uh, Results of the elections around the country, the Senate thing is clearing up, House of Representatives. But here's one thing that is certain. The giant red wave that was to sweep across America didn't happen. And at least if we listen to the liberals, it was all because of abortion. Republicans and conservatives are radicals about abortion. And uh, that's the reason why we didn't see the red wave. Well, I do think that abortion had a big part. And to help us understand what went wrong with the uh, pro-life movement in this last election, I have on the line Nicole Hunt, who is a life issues analyst and a writer for Focus on the Family's Daily Citizen. Nicole Hunt, welcome and thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me, Bob. It is my pleasure, my delight. Uh, What are your, uh, when the election results started coming in Tuesday night, what were your thoughts from a a pro-life perspective? What, What were your initial thoughts as you saw the results come rolling in? Well, you know, there were five states that I was keeping an eye on because there were five states that were voting on ballot measures that were related to abortion policy for the state. Yeah. Now, in three of those states, they, they were more um, more pro-abortion states, so I was expecting, hoping, praying for a pro-life outcome, but was expecting that we might see the, uh, the abortion ballot measures pass in those states. That was Michigan, Vermont, and California. Mm-hmm. But the two that really were a surprise um, that I think needs to make the pro-life movement step back a second and reassess where we're going moving forward were the pro-life measures that were on the ballots in Kentucky and Montana, generally states that you would expect to be pro-life and passing pro-life laws. Those were rejected by the voters. And so I think that, you know, as I started to see the numbers roll in, my first thought was, oh, no, this is headed in the wrong direction, even in the pro-life states. Yeah. Well, the obvious question is why? Why two states, and you mentioned Kentucky and Montana, and I think they're both a surprise. I was particularly surprised by the measure that failed in Montana. That seemed to be just a a common sense piece of legislation. So Mm -hmm. as we analyze it, why? What, What went wrong? Yeah. So for context for the listeners in Kentucky, the voters were being asked to clarify 
that their state constitution does not include a right to an abortion. Now, in Kentucky, they already have pro-life measures in place. So this would have gone above and beyond the protections that are in place in Kentucky. In Montana, what was really interesting is that the voters were voting on a statute. So it wasn't a constitutional amendment for their state constitution, but the statute basically what asked whether or not infants who are born alive during an attempted abortion should receive medical care. And shockingly, a majority of Montana voters said no. And, you know, as I as I looked at it and really spent some time analyzing what does this mean? What does this mean for the pro-life movement? Why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Here's the first the first thing I went to was funding. Now, I can tell you, having looked at the funding measures for actually all five states combined, I know that the pro-abortion side spent over $68 million just to secure those five wins on Mm. the abortion ballot measures. And by contrast, pro-life groups raised a little bit more than $18 million. So we're talking here about the pro-life groups being outspent by nearly $50 million, which is no uh, no small amount. And the truth is, is that in campaigns, those who have the deepest pocket get to control the narrative. And those who control the narrative, they win votes in elections. Well, it comes, and again, we're talking with Nicole Hunt, who is a life issues analyst and writer for Focus on the Family's Daily Citizen. Uh, This is a heart issue, Nicole. Uh, Why are we on the pro-life side not doing a better job of communicating the real issue here, which which is life, because... Biology is on our side. Science is on our side. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Why why are we not doing a better job of, of, of grabbing the hearts of Americans? Yep. That's a great, great, great question. And, and, you know, I think that the funding, the reason why I bring up the funding is because in a campaign, people who control the storytelling can move people's hearts and minds. But that brings me to the second point, which is culture. Our culture is so far removed from being pro-life that it is going to take the pro-life movement considerable amount of time and energy to change people's hearts and minds on the issue of abortion. Now, after Roe v. Wade was overturned, right, we saw a lot of pro-life states pass pro-life laws. Those things you can just by the snap of a hand, right, for the most part in these states, there were trigger laws in place. Sometimes there were legal battles. But you can change the law, particularly if you have lawmakers who are pro-life. But when you're talking about changing people's hearts and minds, listen, for the last 49 years, an entire generation has grown up thinking that abortion is not a moral wrong because it's a constitutional right. They've literally grown up thinking that abortion is an acceptable form of birth control and mm-hmm. that it's good for women. So what we're talking about is we're talking about connecting with women and with men to help educate them and let them see that abortion really does hurt everything. It hurts not just the preborn and women, but it hurts families, it hurts minorities, it hurts the poor. It hurts so many aspects of our society. We've got to engage in some serious culture shaping in order to change people's hearts and minds on the issue of abortion. 
Uh, Nicole, can we have you to the bottom of the hour? I should have asked you before we went on the air, and I apologize for that. Can we have you oh, for sure. one more segment? Okay. Sure, uh, I'd love to say. Yeah, we'll go ahead and take a break. We're talking with Nicole Hunt, who is with Focus on the Family's Daily Citizen. She's a writer and an analyst. And we're talking about what went wrong for pro-lifers in this last election. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Talk radio that makes a difference. Makes a difference. This is Bob Bernie Live. And my guest is Nicole Hunt with Focus on the Family. She is a life issues analyst and a writer for Focus on the Family's Daily Citizen. Uh, Nicole, I am so glad that before the break you brought up the fact that Abortion is much, much more than a political issue. It is a spiritual and moral issue, which leads me to ask, are you encouraged or discouraged by the stance of the evangelical church in America as far as life and abortion? You know, I think that most American churches would recognize that pro, the pro-life ethic is a biblical value. And I think that a lot of churches sometimes are afraid of getting too political at the pulpit or not communicating those, that pro-life ethic and the pro-life values that are Bible-based. I will say, and I had a friend tell me this once, and I just thought it was so wonderful. She said, we don't have to worry about being political when we're being biblical. And I just told her, I said, amen, because it's so true. And I think that the church has a really important job to do in helping us shape culture to be more pro-life. There are a lot of people out there, a lot of Christians, who are looking for guidance on how to think about these issues. Like, is it okay to have a 15-week abortion ban? Is it okay to have a 20-week abortion ban? And it's important for the church to step in and to give some value to the conversation. What does the Bible say about being pro-life, about life in the womb? If the church isn't helping Christians inform their values, then Christians will look for someone to inform their values, and it might be our culture, which we know is a culture of death. Well, I am an optimist. I really am. But I have to be honest, I'm discouraged by the evangelical church as we deal with this pro-life issue and abortion. Because I see so many churches, so many pastors in the evangelical movement that are afraid to mention the life issue and abortion because they say, well, we're just going to preach the gospel. Uh, We're not going to get into politics. But, Nicole, this is not politics. This This is a biblical issue. This is a moral issue. So do you see an an increasing movement in the uh, move in the evangelical church to speak out on life issues or are you seeing that actually happening? You know, I think it's I think it's very very slowly coming, but I can tell you that the pro-life groups are recognizing 
even more so now that Roe has been reversed, that they have to have the church partnering with them, spreading this message of pro-life to our culture, helping people think through that this is a biblical value. This isn't just a political position or hashtag, you know, that that a a politician gets to run on a platform, that this is actually a biblically-based value that we need to be living out, not not only um, not only on our ballots, right? But but even in the conversations that we're happening that are happening all around us, whether it's in the carpool line while we wait for our kids, or at the soccer game, or at the football game, or um, you know in the lobby at our kids' school, we need to be entering into conversations. And it's important that the church partners with pro-life organizations in order to try to change hearts and minds on this topic. Nicole Hunt, how how did you become passionate about life? You know, I I have I grew up being very pro life, but I will tell you, I've got four kids, and I saw my pro life values come to life when my oldest, who's now thirteen years old, she was born thirteen weeks premature. Wow. She was only twenty seven weeks gestation when she was born, and she was about the size of uh, my husband's hand, my husband's hand. She was one pound, nine ounces. Uh-huh. So we were in the NICU with her for over 90 days. And it was incredible to see all of these little babies, some of them as young as 24 weeks in the NICU fighting to live every single day. They had wills to live and you got to see it. And I just remember being like, this is what pro is all about. Mm. These little babies, they don't give up. They are fighters. And I have to tell you, seeing my 13-year-old grow up, and she's healthy, happy, 13-year-old girl now, um, it has been such a blessing to see how the Lord has a unique and special plan that is just for her life. And this is true for every preborn baby who is created. They have a unique individual personality, and the Lord has a specific plan and purpose for their life, and it's worth fighting for. What are some of the resources available from Focus on the Family on the issue of life and abortion? I know you're doing a great deal. Thank you, thank you to all of you at Focus on the, on the Family. Uh, but what are some of the resources that you would have for individuals and local churches? Oh, thank you for asking. Yes, so at Focus on the Family, you go to our main website at focusonthefamily.org. You can navigate, if you, for instance, if you go to a church that wants to be more engaged in the pro-life movement, you can navigate in the search bar. If you search for, like, pastors and pro-life, you can navigate to resources that are available for churches who are interested in being able to be more light in a dark culture of that is very pro-death, being able to speak messages of, of life and that there is a purpose for each person and it begins in the womb. So we have a great pastor's resource at um, The Daily Citizen, which is where I write and give analysis. Um, We have a wonderful amount of resources for families who are interested in really understanding the news of the day from a Christian worldview, particularly on the issue of life, the sanctity of human life. But we also have it for family and for marriage and for what that means with all the policies that are coming out of Washington, D.C. or in different states. So that's also a great resource to try to figure out what's happening around us, around the world, and in our nation, and then how we can be engaged in that conversation and be salt and light in our world. And please again repeat 
how they can get those resources. Yes. So if you go to the focusonthefamily.org webpage, you can search there for Daily Citizen, where I write. You can also search there for pastor resources. And of course, we always have a variety of resources for your family. If you're looking to have a healthier marriage or a healthy family relationship, or just develop better bonds and relationship skills, go to focusonthefamily.org and you can find all of that information there. Focusonthefamily.org. Now, this is a strange question, Nicole, but I'm just curious, what was the mood at Focus on the Family last Wednesday morning after the results began coming in from the elections? Uh, what was what was the what was the water cooler talk like on Wednesday and Thursday of last week? You know, I mean, it was it was certainly discouragement looking at what was coming in for the the, the five states that had ballot yeah. measures, but it was also a reminder, like. We know who wins in the end. We know that our job is to keep fighting the good fight and keep walking the same path that we're called to walk on, whether that's uh, encouraging families, fighting for sanctity of human life. But we know what our calling is, what the Lord has called us to do, and we know that He wins in the end. So this feels like a setback. It it is a setback for right now, Mm -hmm. but we keep our eyes on the end. We keep our eyes on the goal, and we know that in the end that the Lord is going to be victorious. We need to be faithful. So it was a reminder to be faithful to the things that He's called us to. The old cliche, I read the end of the book, and we win. (laughs) Nicole Hunt, who is Life Issues Analyst and writer for Focus on the Family's Daily Citizen. You can find out more at focusonthefamily.org. Nicole Please, all of you, keep up the wonderful work that you've been doing for so many years for all of us. Thank you, and thank you for your time today. God bless you. Thanks, Bob. All right. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Bob Birdie Live. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.